Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat, episode 154, somewhere thereabout. We are a part of the Fanside Network and presented by Manscaped. As always, Ryan is with me again. And put your hands together, ladies and gentlemen, because returning from her extended stay is Amanda. Round of applause. Round of applause. So we are back together for the first time this month. Is that right? Sounds about right. Sounds about right. So we're just going to roll with it. So it's been a month <laughs> since uh, since we've been together. So it's been a little bit. Talk some gnats. They uh, they are damn committed to this tank. And, and <laughs> it, it's pretty exciting to see a team all in on a common goal. Like some, exciting story. Some, <laughs> some people say, you know, you got to go all in to win World Series. Mm-hmm. I counter that by saying you got to go all in to embrace a tank. And this team is doing that. It is commendable. It is awesome. If you drop two of three to the Pirates, you earned a top five spot. And that's certainly where the Nats are heading right now. But we will get to that. Amanda, fill us in. What's been going on? What's been happening? Well, um, I spent a week at the beach, which was great. I actually missed you, punk asses. A little bit. I haven't had anybody to talk about baseball with. Is it lying great? Back. She's gone one. full tilt, like full tilt, just completely like lying to, to appease the fans. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. I always say I'm the Homer, right. I'm the one who's always just servicing the fans to try to win the polls, which I rarely do. <laughs> But I uh, did win my fantasy <laughs> football matchup this week. We haven't talked about that. I, I, I'm dismayed by the lack of trash talk in our fantasy football league. I say Are you talking other, about ours? Yeah. The only other one I ever play is my, with my family. And the amount of trash talk is like legion. I'm like, mm-hmm. nobody's saying anything in ours. It's a little bit, dis- it's a little bit disappointing. Well, like I went full bit. I had the first pick of the draft for those who, well, I guess anyone outside of half street high heat doesn't know. I had first pick and I told Ryan the day before the draft, I was like, if I get first pick, I'm going Austin Eckler and I'm just only going to pick Chargers players because I'm a Chargers fan. So naturally, ESPN randomizes the the order. I get first pick and I was like, oh, well, here we go. So I take Austin Eckler and, and, you know, I 
follow up my next like four or five picks are all Chargers players before I like really start drafting. But I don't know who was behind me. But anyways, because I started reaching on so many Chargers players, <laughs> the teams behind me got so good because all the players are falling through. Because you were, they're all like, are you serious right now? Well, I mine auto drafted because I was on vacation and I couldn't do it. And normally, you know, you figure an auto draft will at least be decent. That was the worst auto draft I have ever seen in my life. I couldn't believe it when I actually logged in to go look at it. I mean, we're an eight team league. Like it's never going to be that bad, but like right. I, I played Ryan this week and Ryan freaking smacked he stomped me. You. Yeah, it was but, bad. It, but it's like, I, I just, I committed to the bit and I, I as long as I don't finish in last, cause like if, if I finish in last, I'm going to have to explain why I finish in last. Whereas if I just don't finish in last, I don't have to explain anything. So I'm trying That's to just no like, need to explain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm just saying I expected there to be like a lot of trash talk in our group chat and there's been none. So I think we need to pick up the pace a little bit on that. That's half the fun of fantasy football is talking trash to your opponents. Well, uh, I know he listens to the show because he's our best friend, but uh, Ryan and I are in a league with Matt Wyrick, and that's that's where the majority of our trash talk and our attention has turned to because uh, uh, best friend of the show, uh, Matt Wyrick, he's gotten a little chummy. He, he's got <laughs> he's gotten a little uh, fantasy football expert high horse on oh, us. Oh, so, I see. You know, we, we got to put him in his place. Like Ryan's name in that league is literally better than Matt. Uh, <laughs> Better than Matt NBC SW, like I wow. mean, we are fully committed to to that league because there's a lot on the line. I don't know what's on the line aside from rights. bragging rights, right. but there's a lot on the line. So I mean, you you can have your meaningless wins in our league. Pride's on the line. Pride's on the line, and pride's worth a lot of money. Exactly, or it's worth no unless, money at all. Unless unless you're the Nats, unless you're the Nats, then there's the, there's pride and tanking. Yeah, the the tank, the the embrace of the tank is amazing. The way they continue to find new and innovative ways to lose is amazing to me. I mean, Mm. I, I, you know, two out of three to the Pirates is impressive. Let us not forget that the the sell off at the trade deadline was precipitated by being swept by the Orioles. So they really the level of bad that the Nats have become is is actually sort of impressive and surprising. Well, I mean, that really just goes to show that this team has been all in on the tank uh, for the whole year. Since before and, they and actually th- sold off. The that's, again, very commendable. Um, but someone who's never tanking, he's always on his A game with the show. Ryan, how you doing? I'm thriving. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good answer. How right? so? How so? <laughs> I'm just best thriving, life. man. Just living the best life. Again, last time we spoke, Amanda... I said we were in false fall. And what happened? It is 90 degrees outside. It's supposed to be like 90 degrees every day. Sucks. It's hot as hell in my room. But I mean, living my best life, football's back. Um, I need Lamar Jackson to score a couple of touchdowns. If not, we're going to have some issues, Lamar. Not going to do anything because, you know, you're still going to be my quarterback every week, but we're going to have some issues. You're yeah, still you're still great. doing really well, even before Lamar Jackson played this week, though. At least in our league. I don't know what's going on Not in the other league. But... Well enough, Amanda. <laughs> Not well enough. Fair enough. Who do you have in our league? You've got oh Russell Wilson. That Everyone it. doesn't matter because <laughs> I got smacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, just just keep reading it. Just keep reading it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I love that uh, you know, 
I don't love that the Nats are bad, but I do love being able to talk a little bit more fantasy football than we would normally get to talk. Uh, <laughs> although I'm sure someone's like contemplating turning us off right now just because. I know they're like, Jesus, nobody cares about your fantasy team. And it's true. We know it's this true. is true. Nobody cares about anyone's fantasy team. Like it's just kind of the way the way it goes. But mm-hmm. everyone still talks about their fantasy team. So it's like. You know, true. when does the cycle end? Football is awesome. The only way, thing that makes football more awesome is when we can make it about ourselves. <laughs> well, I mean, anytime anyone can make anything about themselves, they, they tend to do so. That's, that's why like, social media is a thing. That's the way the world's, <laughs> world works. But speaking of someone making everything about themselves, this man goes out there every single i was gonna say every single sunday football on the brain every single fifth day dominates and just has had quite the career coming up on three thousand strikeouts he says what's the best way to go about this yeah i could just you know go out there get my six seven strikeouts tip my hat da 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 he says now not only am I going to do that, that that's, that's a done deal. That's a given. I'm going to throw an immaculate inning. I'm going to take a perfect game to the eighth. Granted, he probably should have finished it, and he'll, he'll tell you that himself. But Max Scherzer hit 3,000 strikeouts in the most Max Scherzer way possible. Like Hitting 3,000 is not good enough for one Max Scherzer. He has to do it in style, and that's why we love the man. We've loved him for years. We will love him till the day he dies, and then some. Um, obviously, hits 3,000 strikeouts Sunday. So you're listening to this Tuesday. So, yeah, hit it Sunday with the Dodgers. I know there's a lot of comments on should have done it in a Nats cap, da-da-da-da-da. I mean, we're, we're beyond the point. Just for Max Scherzer, for his career, obviously, we, we talked about on the last episode, he's, he's a lock to be a Hall of Famer. We obviously hope he goes in as a net. He probably will go as a net, but just for his career, his peak, his dominance, uh, let's just kind of take this quick pitch to reflect on Max Scherzer and what it means. What was your reaction uh, to to his 3000 strikeout? Mm, this is hard for me because I, we've talked about it a million times. Max Scherzer is my all time favorite national. i love him so much watching him pitch has been appointment television for me for the entirety of his tenure with the nationals and it pains me it hurts me in my soul that that man is a dodger now i cannot help but be happy for him he is terrific he's having it uh, what is his era now like one 102 or something since he's gone to the dodgers it's oh insane. with the dodgers yeah it's it's dodgers it's it was 105 yeah, yeah, it was, it was one hundred five. He's, that last you know, and at his age, and everybody keeps at the beginning of every season, and I'm just as guilty of it. Like, is this the year where it all falls apart? Can he really still have it this year? I mean, he's put himself firmly back in the National League Cy Young conversation. He's amazing. I I have no, I've run out of superlatives to describe Max Scherzer. I love him to pieces. I'm. I hate it that he's doing this as a Dodger, but just for him, I love it. I'm so happy and proud for him and of him. I mean, it was just the most Max Scherzer start of all time. Just like you said, like the fact that he took a no hitter into the eighth and then Hosmer of all people broke it up. It was pretty cool to see. I mean, I'm glad he did it. Um, Really, really has changed his entire legacy in the last several years, which I'm really happy to see. And congratulations. I mean, 3000 is a pretty big milestone. We saw, 3,000 strikeouts, 500 home runs this year. 
Um, Otani's doing his thing. We've seen a lot of really, really cool milestones and achievements, and Max keeps racking them up. So I was pretty happy to see it. Don't care what uniform I was in, to be honest. I do. I, I, I don't at all. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him. It was, it was pretty cool to see 3,000 strikeouts. Yeah, and that, that's one of the ones that's so rare to see. Obviously, it's a very exclusive club. That's kind of literally the whole point of the bench, benchmark. But just to to see, obviously, Max Scherzer do it, it, it's not an easy thing to do, again, obviously. But just for Max to have his career start the way it did, not that he was terrible. I mean, his career ERA are high for ERA in a season is a 4-4-3, which is actually like – uh, about average for the MLB. That's his career high in a season that came in 2011. That was pre-peak Max Scherzer. But to obviously be shipped off from Arizona to Detroit. Obviously, I think Arizona would probably want some mulligan on that one. But <laughs> So does Detroit, I'm sure. Yeah, well, Detroit too. Like, to, to see him reach this level of dominance, right? 2013 was probably the, the year... That it happened 21 and 3, 290 ERA, 32 starts, 214 innings like that. That obviously put him on the map. And then next year, did he win the, the Cy Young in 2013 or 2014? The AL one? Yeah. Um, was it the year before his free agency or two years before that? I want to say it was two years before. Okay. But anyway. Anyways, like for him to to burst on the scene right before free agency. And then sign a record-breaking contract at the time. Obviously, there, there's a big question mark we've seen even now with the Nats. Their fair share of questionable pitching contracts that can so easily turn out poorly. And we've talked about it being the best free agent contract of all time. I don't think that's even a uh, hot take anymore. Like the Nats got every single penny pennies worth and more from that deal uh he was the steady presence even when the Nats were very much not steady through the every other year seemingly it was the the matt williams the john papabons the everything in between the the chokes he 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 was (laughs) had one of the weirdest postseason performances ever with that oh, one that inning Cubs against series. the Cubs. Ugh. Like there, there was, was so much, I hated that one. There, there was so much going on with Max Scherzer, And I'm glad Ryan brought up that point. It's really been 2019, obviously, but like the last couple of years is really where he's established his legacy. And that was age 34, 35, now 36, where he's really established his legacy. And even from years 28 through 33, he was damn good. That's a six year stretch six or five, six year stretch where it's like, yeah, th- this guy, you know, that that's the peak people are looking for for Hall of Fame. You know, they typically want it to be seven years, and Max did that. So was, could he just put together a couple of uh, serviceable years to, you know, cement his, his likelihood to be a Hall of Famer? And then not only does he do that, he goes God level <laughs> this, yeah, this year. for sure. Max Scherzer is just one of a kind. It, it was awesome to see. We'll never yeah. see another one like him, I don't think. Obviously. And like Otani's his own thing and he's doing something totally different than Scherzer, obviously. Like he's but you see one of a kind guys once in a while, and Max is definitely that. Obviously, like I mean, it would have been nice to see it in a Nats uniform, but I'm just glad he got there. Like there's the odds tell you 
he should not have gotten there. He should not have been able to sustain this level of production, not only like his numbers, but the amount of innings pitch. He pitched over 200 innings for what, seven straight mm-hmm. years until 2019. And he still put up 172 in 2019. And he's on pace for what, about 170 again this year. He's like, already he- looks like 162 right now. Yeah, so maybe, what, two more starts, three more starts? So, yeah, maybe 180-ish, which is still – that's kind of like the new 200 nowadays. It's rare starters get yeah, up Yeah, and at his age, too, where he's right. showing that durability. But it was 2013, by the way, the first – the AL Cy Young. Yeah. And he was top five Cy Young voting for those seven straight years between 2013 and 2019. Yeah, like – Which is just insane. I mean, everyone knows what we're saying at this point. It's kind of just like a reflection on – Max Scherzer, he he deserved it. He's been uh, elite for for years and years and years, and it's crazy to think that even now he's still at that level. We're still talking about is Max Scherzer the Cy Young, which I don't think anyone could necessarily argue against. It's there. There's other competition there certainly, but uh, I don't think anyone would frown upon uh, a voter casting their their pick yeah. for Max Scherzer. So it's just awesome to see. Glad he got there. It's good stuff. But. And by the way, his uh, after yesterday's outing, well, Sunday's outing, because you guys will all be listening to this on Tuesday, his ERA so far with the Dodgers is 0.88. That's what Ryan said earlier. Oh, I missed that. Okay. <laughs> 0.88 is just nuts. And it was only 2.76 when he was here. So even, I don't know, it's just crazy to see what he's doing. I didn't, I didn't think this year was going to go the way it did for him. I mean, I figured he'd be fine, but I didn't see the, like you said, God level coming out again this year. Yeah. Happy for him. Sad for myself. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I assume he's coming back next year. We haven't heard any, you know, inklings or rumors of him contemplating retirement. I'm sure he's he's, he's going to pitch like this. He's going to pitch till the wheels fall off, but he's at 189 career wins. So we're, we're talking about 200 career wins next year, which obviously another big milestone for him. So we're, we're at that point where he it's just miles, milestone season. For, it's like uh, watching Ovi at this Scherzer. point where like every third game he plays, there's some new milestone. <laughs> yeah. Reaching that level. I love that man. Yep. Good stuff. But speaking of good stuff, Ryan has got great stuff for us. We've been posting articles nonstop about all the baseball going on. I understand we're a Nats podcast. We're Nats-centric, all this stuff. But it doesn't mean we can't appreciate baseball. We want to point out all the great baseball going around the league, and that's encapsulated by Ryan's Week in Review. Ryan, take it away. September, baseball is in full swing. The weekend began with unity for 9-11, and then things quickly intensified as we had cheating allegations, benches clearing, players showing each other up. The Yankees and Mets played an absolute electric series over the weekend. The Mets took two, three. That was capped off with a three-run home run game by Francisco Lindor. That sent the Yankees to fourth place in the American League East, and they are currently one game back of the second wildcard spot. The Blue Jays took full advantage of the Yankees and Red Sox blunders this weekend, and the Blue Jays are currently the top wildcard team in the American League due to them having one less loss than the Red Sox, even though they're tied with percentage points. Vlad Jr. has a very real chance to be the first player since Miguel Cabrera to win the Triple Crown, and 
not get a single first place MVP vote. He'll be one of the, well, let me rephrase that. He'll be the first player ever to win Triple Crown and not win the MVP. The Giants' magic number to clinch a playoff spot is two, and the Dodgers is currently at four. The Dodgers swept the Padres over the weekend. Max got 3,000 Ks, and the Padres are currently tied for the playoff spot. Um, Them and the Reds are going back and forth for their entire lives. The Padres are fighting for the lives, as mentioned, and they face the Giants this week in a must-see weekday series. More must-see baseball as the Reds are continuing their hot streak, trying to get in the playoffs. They are virtually tied with the Padres. Unfortunately for the Reds, they lost 2-3 to to the Cardinals over the weekend. The Brewers have the lowest division magic number that's currently Trevor Bauer is to miss the rest of the season and postseason as his leave was extended. He has a chance of pitching in 2022, though it is not confirmed if he will. To the NLEs, in fifth place are the 59 and 84 Nationals. They lost two or three to the Pirates. Marlins are up next, and the Nats are currently being no hit through six innings, and the Nats' elimination number is three. They just got their first hit for what it's worth. They just their first hit. They have one hit (laughs) and fourth are the 16 83 Marlins. Their elimination number is four and they lost two or three against the Braves over the weekend. And third place are the 72 and 72 Mets. They had an electric weekend to get back to 500. They are now three games back of the second wildcard spot. Have a crucial series with another wildcard helpful in the Cardinals. In second place are the 72 and 71 Phillies. They dropped three of four to one of the worst road teams in the league and the Rockies at a horrible time. The Phillies have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. Up next are the Cubs. In first place are the 76 and 66 Braves. They extended extended their divisional lead to four and a half games. And for, excuse me, I I don't know what I typed here. They're really, um, it, it really stumbled me up, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, they're the only team in the division who can actually beat bad teams, and that's why they are currently in first place, because the rest of the division can't beat crap teams. Looking at the Phillies and losing to the Marlins, uh, the Braves continue their easy stretch with a series against the Rockies before they have a crucial series with the Giants. This has been your week in review. Make sure you guys head on over to Public to check out all of our latest merchandise and gear. Head over to tpublic.com and search Half Street High Heat for everything we have as we're constantly updating our site with new stuff weekly. This has been your Week in Review. Yeah, you're absolutely right about the Braves being the only team in the division that can beat bad teams. And since pretty much all the teams in the division are bad, they've got a a big advantage over everybody else. I feel like everybody else is just like two out of three, one out of three here and there to each other. And the Braves are just whooping up on everybody else in the division. They're obviously going to win it. And the Mets meltdown is just unbelievable. I I can't believe how they were just in first place forever. It felt a lot like what the Phillies did in 2019, how they were ahead for so much of the season. And then just the wheels came off towards the end. Anyway, I love seeing the Mets fall apart. And that series with the Yankees was amazing. It was, that was peak baseball. Like honestly, fun. I was watching that and I was like, damn. Baseball really needs one of the uh, New York teams to make the playoffs. Cause like when my team's not in it, I like the teams that are going to have rowdy fans to make it. The blue Jays can make it just cause Rogers center. We've seen it before is absolutely ballistic in the playoffs. Um, I think they burned half of Toronto down when Jose Bautista hit his home run in game five. Oh yeah. That's great. The but, like, flip. <laughs> but like New York teams are just different. City field was unreal for a whole entire weekend of 
September baseball. Like if you watch Lindor's home run, they're going nuts. There's fans on the dugouts with flags. It was just fun. Like that was just a fun September series. Yankees Mets rivalry, a hundred percent renewed. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I love seeing it. It's, it's just so much fun. And you're right. The fans are rowdy and that's fun to see, especially I can enjoy series like that where I have no dog in the fight and can just watch the baseball and enjoy it and, and enjoy the, the insanity in the stands. So that one's fun. It would be really great if one of those teams made the playoffs. I don't want it to be, well, God, I really don't want it to be either of them because I hate them both, but it would be fun if one of them got in. Yeah. With the Mets, it was just like the, I, at least for me, I thought they had enough in place to withstand the inevitable inevitable ebbs and flows of the season and the the valleys which every team faces, but it seems that the Mets face more than others. And they make it, their own valleys. Right. And <laughs> it it just seemed like every foundational piece outside of uh maybe like Strowman and Alonzo either struggled or got hurt it's just like the Mets find new ways whether it's karma or whatever it, it the, the Mets constantly find new ways but the series was awesome it was obviously very fitting with the September 11th tribute and uh, everything that was evolved I thought that was very well done but then it was kind of right back to the action and I I don't mean to like detract from the the tribute and whatnot but the, these teams don't like each other and we yeah. you you kind of got right back to that and it's good for baseball especially when it's on the center stage and that you have a bunch of eyes on it uh francisco lindor going deep three times is the kind of storyline you need in a big event like that similar to how the rays were very boring last year but randy rosarena going off in the postseason was was really fun to watch Every at bat of his, it's like, oh God, is he going to go deep again? Like baseball needs storylines like that. They need these teams, even if they, they aren't the the best or the most exciting. Which the both the Yankees and Mets can be if they are playing well. But th- they need these storylines, and we talked about that a little bit on the on the last two episodes. Like, what are the storylines going to be this postseason? Like that that's something we can kind of start penciling in now with these playoff races and what teams are going to be able to pull ahead. Like Ryan just mentioned the Red Sox and Blue Jays kind of taking advantage of the Yankees struggling. So if the, the Blue Jays manage to get a home playoff game, well then all eyes are going to go to that because Roger centers is popping and they've been waiting for the Blue Jays to get back to mm-hmm. uh, the, the postseason. Um, and obviously now you have a young, exciting core with who should be an MVP winner in any other year but Shohei Otani is just doing a generational thing no big deal Uh, it's just crazy to see but speaking of doing a generational thing no big deal the Nats are doing a generational tank it (laughs) is awesome um depends on your perspective but from where I'm sitting it is awesome because they've gone from world series contender to top five pick contender um and that's just like I, I love a team that can do both I, I don't want my team to be one dimensional and the Nats certainly are not. They proved themselves right. to be that the, the find latest, you a team that can do both. <laughs> the latest stretch. They lost two of three to the pirates. Yes. You heard that correctly. The pirates. It's Sigh. something we never would have thought would happen. You know, it might happen over the course of the season. Baseball's funky. The, the best teams don't always win, but if you play a seven game series, the best team should come out on top. It's the way the playoffs work. 
That's why it's not a one game playoff for the, the duration of the, the champion or the uh, postseason. But two of three to the Pirates is what it is. You have to give your your <laughs> props to the Pirates. They, they beat the lowly Nats. And where the Nats are, they currently have the fifth pick. It's uh, it, it, it's exciting. <laughs> it, it, it's it's weird, but it, Who's it's right it ahead is of exciting. Them? Is there any chance of them leapfrogging up at all at this point? Or no, pretty much. It'd take a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now it's like I want them to toe that line between maintaining a top five pick, but also not losing a hundred games. Like I, I want. Yeah, there's just something embarrassing about that. Although I will say I appreciate the fact that right now. You know, normally if your team loses a series like two two out of three to the Pirates, you're just like, you know, ducking your head in shame. But now it's just like everybody should beat the Nats right now. Like if you're not beating the Nats, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah. This is a team in, in a full-on tank, in a full-on rebuild, and, you know, you ought to be you ought to be beating them. Although I have to say they're, you know, scrappy is an overused word, but they definitely are. I mean, the, the way that they're scoring more runs now than they were before the trade deadline but the pitching is just absolutely uh, just putrid. I mean, it's so, so bad, but I love seeing some of the fight in these younger guys and and them getting these ever, you know, to play every day. Like it just, it, it's again, over said, but the wins and losses just don't matter right now, but the reps these guys are getting are so much more important than, than the win loss record. So even if they lose a hundred, that will kind of suck, but I really just don't care. Ryan, I don't know if you're able to look this up, has the Nationals strikeout rate and all right? So has their strikeout rate increased since the deadline, and has their walk walk rate decreased? Are you able to look that up off the top of your head, or not off the top of your head? But I know walk rate is up because Juan Soto in the second half. I That's don't fair. know the uh, strikeouts. So my the reason I ask that is because with the increased offensive numbers and this again I just literally you just heard me ask Ryan for the numbers so I can't like fall back on any concrete evidence for this uh thought but my thought for the offensive proving is that maybe these young guys are just more likely to hack like they're not trying to see pitches and whatnot and being more aggressive is rewarding them in some regard that you know they're putting balls in play and making things happen like I tell my 13u team like hey you just put the ball in play good things will happen you kind of have that same mindset uh with the major league club granted very distant different circumstances in the 13u team but these young guys like hey you know but they're not up there to just walk like they're trying to maintain their spot not only for next year but for this year like there's a lot of a lot more options than there used to be so maybe them just being a little bit more aggressive at the plate has led to some of this increased offensive output and you still have Juan Soto you still have Josh Bell and they're forces to be reckoned with in any lineup, but definitely ours considering what they're surrounded with. Like those are the two names you circle when you face the Nats. Uh, I mean, I don't think any lineup with Alcides Escobar hitting second is all that threatening, mm-hmm. but it, it is what it is. Um, but there is a reason the Nats are losing. Like these young guys, as we've, we've talked about, some of them are struggling and you know, that that's not something that's necessarily as damning as, what it could have been at the beginning of the season when, you know, the stakes were different and we're playing for something different. Now it's like, we can let, let them uh, work through their struggles, but are any of the the struggles you're seeing offensively or defensively concerning to you? Uh, like I know uh, 
Ty Bear Ruiz is still struggling, but he's still young. Like any Josiah Gray, another one, like he started hot and has had some rocky outings uh, lately. Like are any of these concern or these performance concerning to you? So when you look at Ruiz, it is a small sample size. He's playing in his 10th game today. Um, in the nine games before today, he was hitting 133, 212, 167 as a nat. Um, he did have a pretty nice double the other day uh, that brought in a couple of runs. He has four RBIs in the nine games. When you look at his advanced metrics, his launch angle is 26.8. That's above league average. His exit velocity is 87.3. That's just below league average. His barrel percentage is 3.4. That's well below league average. That's probably the most concerning one for me. His expected batting average is below league average, but his sweet spot is fine. Um, He's kind of just missing balls. When you look at Ruiz, he's making solid contact, but a lot of it is hitting at the end of the bat. He's getting jammed a little bit. He's just missing it. Or if he does hit it well, he's hitting it right to someone. Um, when he first came over to the Nationals, he struggled immensely in the minors for a little bit. And then after a month or so, he started tearing it up and just was a walking home run, extra base hit. I'm not concerned at all. Um, he's showing promise. He's showing that he has good command of the strike zone. Um, he's a 20% strikeout rate. That's below league average. That's rather good for someone who's just coming up for the first time. If you're, you know, a rookie and you have a strikeout percentage below league average, that's fine. I'm not concerned about Ruiz. Again, things are fine. Josiah Gray, I don't think he learned from tipping pitches. I think he's still tipping pitches. It's his 10th career start. He's going to make bumps. He's going to run into hiccups along the way. That's the part of being a young pitcher. And remember, when Lucas Gilito came up for the Nats, he stunk. Like, he wasn't good, but the Nats were trying to be good, so they couldn't let him work it out and had to send him back down and eventually traded him. And then the White Sox just let the man go, and then he became good. The Nats are going to be in a similar situation where they're just going to throw Josiah Gray out there and all of these growing pains, all of these adjustments we're going to see at the big league level. He's going to be able to work out from this stuff. Even though he's not pitching very well, these last two or three starts, those are still learning experiences for him. He's learning how to mix it up. What pitches are working the second time or third time through the lineup, what isn't working. And then that's actually have time where they can let a young pitcher just figure it out. And that is very, very invaluable. And it's going to help gray long-term. Not concerned about Ruiz or Gray. It's just young growing pains. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I have no concerns. I mean, it's just they're it's just way too early in the career for either of those guys to really worry about it. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Um, they're the ability to make those adjustments at the big league level. It, I feel like we don't always see that, especially with the Nats. They've been trying to contend for so long that we've basically seen them bring people up. And if they're not ready, they just send them right back down. So as Nats fans, we haven't watched people make those adjustments at the big league level in quite a while, but I think it's really, really valuable for these young players to be able to make those adjustments. If you're a hitter against big league pitching, or if you're a pitcher, like, you know, if we're talking about gray against big league hitters, um, you could make those adjustments at the AAA level, but then you have to come up and have those growing pains again here. So I think given the situation for the team, it makes perfect sense to just let them work it out here. Probably next year is not going to be a contending season either, barring some totally unforeseen, you know, run that they go on. So I think this is a perfect opportunity for them to 
let these guys go at this level, see what they've got in them. And if, you know, if by middle of next year, it looks like these guys are struggling, then maybe I'll start to feel concerned. But right now it's, it's way too early to end on a team where, you know, they've traded away a lot of the, the good players that you would put around them. I, I'm just not concerned at all. Yeah. And this is just new for us. That's what it comes down to as fans and as uh, people watching these games, it's just new for us to, to see these continued struggles, because as both of you have kind of mentioned, we obviously were playing for a lot more uh, over the past few years. So performances like this were a setback or not a setback, but like holding the team back and you couldn't, afford that you had to move on ryan mentioned lucas giolito and that's a pretty good comparison on like two opposite ends of the spectrum like giolito was the the best pitching or the best prospect in baseball and the nats couldn't afford to let him develop just because of what they're trying to compete for and the white Sox were able to let him develop and he's obviously flourished over there and and whatnot not that it, it didn't turn out well for the nats they won the world series uh but with the Nats being where they are now, you can let Josiah Gray work through these struggles. Uh, we, we've seen it with pretty much anyone who's come up. Like, obviously, we've talked about Carter Keebum for years. And now, after, what, two years? Maybe not quite that long. Year and a half, Carter Keebum starting to, to figure it out. Luis Garcia, we talked about earlier. I mean, not this episode, but earlier this season he, he's been having some offensive woes and we seems like he can be a shortstop but there's still questions there like he still has some question marks uh as a whole Josiah Gray is just the latest in that so we have to let him work through these uh growing pains and it seems like the Nats are there they're committed to him granted they don't really have other options to replace him as opposed to right you know people like sean nolan but it's just like one of those things that these type of teams go through like it's new to us fans but it's not new to the orioles or the royals or the tigers or like any of these other teams that have been going through rebuilds for years we certainly hope our rebuild doesn't last too long but chances are it will like that's just kind of the way it goes with sports like these players need time to develop like we're just now after a year and a half getting to get accustomed to carter keyboom as an everyday player whereas at the beginning of the season we were uh banging the drum for that not to happen and we were ready to ship them out of town like you have to allow time for things to to develop yeah oh and, how and things change. have changed right and, and they will <laughs> Um, but one thing will never change. We still have players like Juan Soto. Uh, well, I can't say that will never change because I could have said that about Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendo. But one thing that for will Trey never Turner. change for the next three years, at least, is we have Juan Soto. Uh, I posted an article about you know the awards favorites, and a lot of that was due or based on Vegas odds. I think for the NL, it is uh, Fernando Tatis or Bryce Harper. But should, God forbid, Tatis get injured again, maybe the Philly struggle, maybe Harper struggles, whatever, the door opens wide open. Do you think Soto has any shot at a backdoor MVP? Because he, I mean, he's having a really good season. It's not like he'd be undeserving. 
Yeah. So when you look at his season, he's hitting 311. Um, he has a 985 OPS. He has a 171 OPS plus, 119 walks. We all know he leads the league in that. 25 home runs, 83 RBIs. He has a nice six war. Um, again, that's a rather solid war. And then if you look at his second half, his mm-hmm. second half on base percentage is 528. That is the. That is the 17th best on base percentage and a half in a season in MLB history. The That's best okay. Juan Soto can get is third place. He's likely going to get four or five. The best he will get is third place. The Nats are absolute dog water, and that's really going to hurt some other numbers. Um, it's Fernando Tatis and Bryce Harper. They're in a lock right now. It's going to be them too. Max Muncy is up there. Austin Riley is up there. So, Juan Soto is a good MVP candidate. The Nats are going to kill him. Um, I went back all the way to 1990 looking at the MVP winners, and I cannot find – there's maybe some in the 80s. I stopped in 1990 um, where both MVP teams missed the playoffs. That's going to kill the Nats. This might be the first year because the Padres and the Phillies could both miss the playoffs. We know the Angels aren't making the playoffs, so this could be the first year. Um, but – with the big push to make Tatis Jr. the face of baseball. Soto's not getting over him. Bryce Harper having one of his best seasons and being Bryce Harper. Soto's not getting over him. Max Muncy, even though his name is Max Muncy, playing on the Superstar Dodgers, having the year he is. Soto has a decent chance to get over him. I don't expect it. But yeah, I expect him to finish around fourth in MVP voting at the year end. Yeah, I don't think he'll win. Um, I think you could make an argument based on his second half but when you look at the splits between the first and second half they're really they're really dramatic um he's having an absolutely phenomenal performance since the all-star break but i think what he did before then is gonna put put the mvp out of reach for him this year i mean i i think he could where is his batting average now i know he's 355 in the second half because i went that down but um, i think he's around 300 yeah i mean I, i i don't know if he's going to have any chance to win the batting title again but i think mvp is probably out of reach and barring some really like major collapse by you know harper if tatis gets injured again i don't know i i just don't see it happening yeah that, that's fine i just wanted to, to mention it just because it feels like due to the deadline and whatnot we've kind of not we i say we as a general Collective fan, fan base. Collective <laughs> fan base, even though we don't care to always uh, be associated with some of the fans and some of the takes we see. But it seems like we as a collective fan, play, fan base have kind of forgotten about Juan Soto's greatness. Like we turn to him because he's really the only thing we have right now. But that's he shouldn't be our quote unquote last resort. Like he is on even the best of teams, like the premier guy. So it's just worth mentioning but another premier guy that we have right now and he's very underrated i've been beating this drum since before the season started uh i can't believe like i had a favorite player that had not even played a game for the nats yet and that's obviously josh bell so he was asked about <laughs> the the possibility of a contract extension yeah i got i got the yeah, quote. Do, do you have the quote because i got the go, quote go right ahead here. because th- this is painful um, so he made his return to Pittsburgh and he was asked, I believe by a Pittsburgh media member, um, if the Nats have approached him about the extension, Josh said, quote, I think they have Juan Soto to worry about right now. We'll see. 
I'm definitely happy here, but I'm just trying to be where my feet are and not think too far off in the future. End quote. Um, he has one more year of arbitration and then he hits free agency in 2023. That is a very good answer of saying that no. those conversations <laughs> have not happened yet at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, so the Nats haven't said anything to him at all yet is what is what that means. And I'm sure they do have one soda to worry about, but um, you need to get the more attainable. The can more we attainable not multitask? Like, right, holy exactly. hell. <laughs> you can talk to two people at once, Mike Rizzo. Um, yeah, they need to they need to do this and lock him up. Hey, obviously, he struggled pretty mightily early, but he's really found his stride now. And I mean, I don't I don't think it will be too expensive for them to to extend him at least for a couple of years. And they need to they need to have somebody to you know they've got nobody else in this lineup to offer any kind of protection um, around Juan Soto. So yeah, they got to do it. From a logistical standpoint, it it doesn't make much sense either because. You can we can go down a deep dive to talk about why he's one of the most underrated first basemen in baseball, which he is. Like he, he's been extremely solid and mm-hmm. deserves an extension. But it's not like they have a first baseman in waiting. Like right. I could I could see the uh, thought process if we have a guy that's maybe one two years away that really only plays first base. Right now, you have to approach next year as if we don't have the dh even though it's likely we will have the dh whatever we don't have that so it's not like josh bell would be blocking anyone if we extended him like if we had someone well maybe you keep josh bell on his one year expiring deal and then flip him at the deadline even if you know you find yourself semi in contention because you have that guy in the wings and maybe he's ready it but again that that's just all hypothetical because it's it ain't happening we don't have a first base in it in the wing so if you have a solution to a potential problem why don't you just like solve that problem finalize that solution <laughs> so that way you don't have a problem in the future like it, it just doesn't make sense it, it it seems like now would be the time to address something like that maybe they're waiting until the end of the season but Again, it's not like Rizzo's well, trying to. Over, it's so not no like this, Rizzo's trying to pull the strings to orchestrate this last three weeks of the season in order to make a backdoor playoff push or anything. That ain't happening. Like, go extend your guys, and then it's just less you have to worry about. You have a ton of money coming off the books, and he wouldn't even be that expensive anyways. Like, the Juan Soto deal is obviously going to take a lot more, and it's understandable that maybe talks aren't progressing right now or talks might not even be happening right now because it's such a long and crazy process that's going to go into that. But with Josh Bell, it seems pretty straightforward, like as straightforward as it can be for, you know, a, a contract negotiation. Obviously none of these are exactly straightforward. There's a ton that goes into them, but it just doesn't make sense to me. And his comments are just the latest in a long line of disheartening, uh, news or information regarding contract negotiations. Most recently we heard from Trey Turner and how those contract negotiations turned out or didn't turn out, (laughs) I guess. Yeah. It's just on and on and on. And it's also disheartening going into the off season with this loaded crop of positional free agent talent. You can't really be excited if they're still seemingly not prioritizing positional players. So, it's frustrating, but it's hard to, I guess, prioritize them too much when you have so much money invested in your starting pitching. But 
seemingly, at least for right now, one of those investments has turned, hopefully turned a corner. I can't, you know, jump too far ahead. At least approached a corner. Yeah, approached a corner. (laughs) You can see the corner. Um, Patrick Corbin, another solid. Patrick Corbin. Any any thought to a possible rebound in twenty twenty two? So. Looking at um, both starts this month, he's gone seven innings. He's given up just five runs. He has a 3.21 ERA in the month of September. That's only two starts, but yes, he had an eight ERA in August. He had a seven ERA in July. He had, hey, a 3.82 in June. Look at him. And then a five ERA in May and a 10 ERA in April. So like. We actually have something to be excited about maybe with him. Um, He's looked good. The Mets lineup, it's not bad. Like the Mets lineup is, eh, let me rephrase that. Mets lineup like isn't as good as it should be. So him going seven innings against a divisional opponent, giving up 11 hits, walking one, only giving up three runs. That's pretty good. Ben don't break the whole time. And then he mowed through the Pirates lineup. The Pirates lineup stinks. But when you're Patrick Corbin having this terrible of a year, you take anything you you can get. Yeah. yeah, you're also trash. And two great outings from him is really exciting. Yeah, I would hesitate to call an 11 hit game a great outing, but for him, for the standards he has established this year with his 598 ERA, which is it still the worst among qualified starters? I believe it is. I'm just going to say it is for my narrative. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, it's been dreadful. Um, it's great to see him you know, having better outings. I hope that he can finish the year up relatively strongly so that hopefully at least from a mental perspective, he can go into this off season. Like I'm writing off that year and, and try to get back to it. This by far the worst ERA of his career. Um, you know, he's, I, you can't even say anything about how bad he is. We've talked about it a lot already on this podcast. He's been really, really terrible, and they're going to need him to be much improved next year if they're going to, um, you know, hope to have a better season. Probably next season, they aren't going to, you know, be competing for anything again anyway. But you still don't want to have the amount of money you have sunk in that guy's contract for the performances we've been getting out of him. So I am pleased to see the improvement. And hopefully we will see more of it for the rest of the season. Maybe the no pressure baseball has been good for him too. Yeah, you can certainly hope so. It's, if the Nats have any shot of expedi- expediting this rebuild, it hinges on Stephen Strasburg and Patrick Corbin. And right now it really hinges more on Patrick Corbin because it's not like Strasburg's is uh, solely performance related like Corbin's is. His is, can he get healthy, which is just obviously such a big question mark for Strauss, but also just in general in in any sports, like health is always going to be such a battle, but performance, like that's on you. Like you got paid to be this, this This top tier (laughs) guy and you aren't doing it. Like that's on you. It's not even like, obviously, if you can't tell, I'm not the biggest Patrick Corbin supporter, but this doesn't even have anything to do with that. Like you were signed to be this guy. And right now you are not being this guy and that's on you. Like you have to turn it around. You're healthy, but or otherwise you're, you're an albatross to this team because of your performance. Not only that, but because of your contract, like you have so much invested in you. There's nothing to do. Like we just saw the same situation with Chris Davis in Baltimore, right? Granted the Orioles weren't actively trying to contend anyways, but it literally got to the point where he 
retired because he said, I know I am holding this team back. Like I am just not good. And he had so much respect for that, by the way. And yeah, that's a very self-aware move. And I think a lot of high profile athletes or celebrities, whoever lack self-awareness. I think that's safe to say. So props to Chris Davis. You hope that doesn't happen to Patrick Corbin. And hopefully this is a sign of things to come, but that's really what it comes down to, to expedite this rebuild and get competitive again before Soto hits free agency. It's, it's going to need to be on the back of pitching again, because the, obviously the lineup has a lot more, a long ways to go to, to be elite. Whereas pitching, you can kind of see the path forward. If, excuse me, if Corbin can rebound, if Strauss gets healthy, well, then you kind of have like, we'll say like two, two pitchers that are like two or three starters, like slot in as your second or third starter. Like that, that's a good start. Then maybe you, you find an ACE uh, in your uh, development or you go sign one. Then you kind of get that three headed monster. You get the recipe going again, but that that's a lot of ifs. <laughs> Isn't it crazy to think how this team for years and years has been thought of as like pitching is their strength. And, you know, they kind of cobble together the lineup, like to see how, the pitching has fallen apart is just really, really dramatic. And talking about Strasburg, I mean, we go entire episodes. Sometimes we don't even mention Strasburg to talk about what a non factor he's become because he's, he's obviously out for the season now, but we don't even know if he's going to be back next season or what he's going to be when he is. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think how the situation with Strasburg has changed and how with it and Corbin's struggles this year are, much you know vaunted pitching staff is just total garbage yeah uh without max of course i just don't think this team can really count on Strauss. it's i'm not gonna say it's a blessing that this team is not competing obviously if i had it my way this team would be competing but uh it makes it a little easier to take make, the yeah, with Strauss, yeah yeah it would be very tough to swallow if we were like on the cusp of being a legitimate contender. And the one thing weighing us down was that Strauss contract and the fact that he's not healthy. Obviously if he's healthy, he's that contract's not going to be an albatross, but health is literally the only thing holding him back. And it just, it seems to be a never ending cycle, unfortunately. So, Oh God, I just took off my shoes because uh, (laughs) I was like, I'm at home. Why do I have stole my shoes on? Mm -hmm. Oof. I had practice earlier some, today. You need some of that shoe deodorant. So I need some you? foot deodorant from mm-hmm. our friends at Manscaped. I, from our friends. From our friends at Manscaped. Heaters, this episode and all of our episodes are brought to you by Manscaped. And I'm going to do the gambling one again because I won quite a bit of money over the weekend betting on my Chargers nice. to take down the Washington football team. Uh, which they did shout out. I was there in the 90 degree heat. Uh, What was it? The, the fake fall that Ryan calls it about a false fall. Yeah. That got me. Um, uh, But I do have a nice tan right now, but anyways, won quite a bit of money betting. So I'm going to do the sports gambling one again, attention gamblers of all shapes and sizes. Our friends at manscaped have a can't miss bet for you today. The leaders in male grooming just launched their fourth generation performance package. The betting odds are in your favor when you use the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls. Across the board, this is the best package to get you in the mood for whatever your gambling heart desires. Are you ready to take the leap to male grooming royalty? Well, 2 million men already have. 
join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with our promo code HSHH20. That'll get you 20% off and free shipping for your entire order. Not, not certain things, not everything but sale items, everything. Your entire order, add it up, do the math, take 20% off, you're good to go because that's what our promo code and half street high heat can do for you. So go to manscaped.com. Use the code HSH 20, get yourself something nice. Yeah. Maybe summer's winding down. Certainly not yet. Cause it was hot as hell again today, but even though summer's winding down, you can still treat yourself. You still want to take care of yourself. You still want to make sure you're, you're nice and neat and ready to go for whatever, comes your way so choose manscaped and choose half street high heat as well because you got to use our promo code so choose us use hhh oh god hshh20 for 20 percent off and free shipping you will not regret it well amanda's back and she's back with a, a nice little segment that we're gonna do yes. this is a nice change of pace we're gonna do a fill in the blank segment i always find these fun because some of these are a little bit um open-ended so, so it's like mad libs directions with it. kind of like mad libs okay but depressing because it's about the nets <laughs> okay all i know depression <laughs> my life first fill in the blank question my passion <laughs> your favorite acquisition from the trade deadline sell-off is uh, I mean, I I hate to take the easy answer, but I guess if we're just picking one prospect, mine is Josiah Gray, because it just seems like we haven't had a pitching prospect to really gush over. Like the pitching prospects we've gotten recently are, have been like Eric Fetty or Will Crow. Since Giolito, probably really. We haven't right. Heard. And like Giolito was awesome. Like I'm not trying to discredit Giolito, but the Nats just did him so dirty where yeah. like even for the fans that might not have been overly invested in that season, you could kind of tell they were bringing him up to showcase him for a mm-hmm. trade. Like there was never to so have blatant. him. Yeah. It was never to have him establish himself as part of the current team or the future team. It was very clearly a showcase. Like the fact that not only did they bring up Giolito, they brought up Reynaldo Lopez too, who was even further behind Giolito as far in terms of like how, how ready he would be or how ready he was at the time they were showcasing everybody. And obviously you know, our, our, our suspicions were confirmed when they traded them not too much longer. So having someone like Josiah Gray in that um, highly touted pitching prospect is just so exciting. And again, I, I lean pitchers because that's what I am. That's what I coach. So uh, Josiah Gray, by far and away, it's just the most exciting thing uh, or exciting prospect from the deadline. I'll go. I want to go Ruiz. Cause I think his potential is going to be, greater than all the other prospects um i think he'll be more important in the rebuild but i'm gonna go lane thomas just because it's really funny and really random that they just pull a name out of a hat for john lester and he's pretty decent so far so yeah i'm going lane thomas just for the pure randomness and the fact that you know john lester is no longer on the team yeah you you didn't have to say the best acquisition just your favorite so i think that's (laughs) totally fair the fact that we got said i think we've said these exact words a living breathing human being for Lester is given his performance up to that point. Complete shout out to Mike Rizzo for like the, the buy low candidate is like a perfect 
exam yeah. or perfect description for everybody. For that tell, trade. Everybody talks about what he did to get, you know, with the, the Turner Scherzer trade, but that one, that one was pure genius, right? Like there. not only did he dump John Lester, but he found like someone like he found a, a viable flyer and it's just yeah. such a great. And he's great always been pretty good view. at the flyers. All mm-hmm. right. Next one. Josh Bell's new contract will be what? Four years, $40 million. Uh, with Ooh, a different team years. because the Nats won't resign him. <laughs> All right, I like the four years, forty million. Four years is a little bit more than I'm expecting. I'm thinking they're going to go like a two or three year extension, but I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, if yeah. they extend him at all, I think it's ten to twelve million dollar range. I think that's perfectly uh, acceptable for someone of Josh Bell's performance. Yeah, absolutely. I would actually like for them to lock him up if they can get him at a reasonable cost. Because oh, I would love it. What if they could? If they could. He's going to be years. reasonable. Yeah, and that's the thing with with where he is currently. I think you could get him at a reasonable price, and if you can lock him up reasonably, that leaves you better able to not only deal with Juan Soto but also to hopefully pick up some other good position players in this year's very deep free agency. Yep. All right. Next one is the Nats' starting second baseman and shortstop next year will be. Oh, uh, I'm going to say Luis Garcia and Marcus Semien. Uh, I'll probably, I would guess Garcia is probably the shortstop in that equation, but semi and you know, I'm just going to rephrase on the fly here, the whole infield, give me your infield. Uh, so obviously bell at first. Yeah. Bell, semi and Garcia. Keep him. Okay. I'm going to go bell Garcia Seager. Keep him. So can we talk about Kyle Seager for a second? I don't mean to completely do it or sorry, Corey Seager, Kyle's brother. Um, yeah, I don't mean to completely disrupt your your segment, Amanda, but <laughs> no, do it. I, I feel like Seeger's one we haven't talked about a lot, but it's not because he would be a bad signing. It's just, I, I think it's the injury history that scares people the most. But I, what like if the Nats sign or God, keep saying Kyle Seeger, I think it's because Kyle Seeger has been linked to the Nats so many times over the years. But uh, if the Nats signed Corey Seager, like what's your like instant reaction if he's getting the same kind of deal as these other guys? I would like it. He's good. He's young. Um, he does have some slight injury issues. Um, I mean, he played 52 games in 2020, then was the absolute god in the playoffs. He's on the Dodgers. He's been there, done that. He's going to be your building block for a while because he's going to be entering his age 28 season. So you have a couple of years before he hits age 30. I would like it. I think he's good. Um, he's a two, 293, 363, 495 hitter. It's a career 860 OPS. Um, he's got 25 plus home run pop. I like it. I think I think he'd be a good add. Um, someone who's healthy, a fantastic building block. And he's a left-handing shortstop. Um, so you would... That's kind of always unique to me. What's uh, do we have any kind of idea what he command as far as AAV? Um, he was probably Correa's probably getting what Lindor get AAV like 35. Correa got 341 over 10. I mean, sorry, Lindor got 341 over 10. Uh, So 34. So I would assume Correa's probably there. It's 34, 35. I mean, he's, did he yeah. win world series MVP that year? Who was the MVP the year the Astros won that? 
I want to say he did, or maybe it was someone random. Like I thought it was um Yuli Gurliel. I think something. it was Yuli Gurliel. Okay, but he, I mean he's World Series champion. He goes off in the playoffs, so he's going to get paid. And I think he's the youngest of the bunch. So he he's pro- he's probably the bar. Uh, and then everyone else falls in line. I don't think Story gets the length. I think he's going to do a one year prove a deal. So it comes down to like Bias and Seager for who would be the next highest. In terms of AAV, I don't know. Like thirty, what do you think? Yeah, I, I would be excited, but definitely nervous. Just with the injury history, that's it. I, just because if we didn't have Straw or Strauss was healthy, or if we didn't have those pitching contracts, hell yeah, take the risk. Like you're not gonna miss out unless you don't sign anyone. That's the only reason you would miss out. But it, it, it's tough because we really need a building block, and it's. Seems like Seager is kind of the least dependable. Uh, I don't even want to say that. Seager will get less than thirty million AAV. Okay, that well, that that's like he's going to be he's going to be like twenty eight AAV. Okay, that that's better. You think maybe two three years? No, 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 absolutely not. No, you're gonna no, you're gonna have to go to five at least. You're gonna have to go six or seven for any of these shortstops to sign them. Yeah, see, that does make that's me that's for the elite stuff. ones. Marcus Simeon will probably get four years at most. God only knows what Javi Baez gets. He's such an interesting player. But for uh including Trevor Story, Story, um, Correa, and Seeger, you're gonna have to go to six or seven years because the bidding war for them is gonna be nuts. But you're looking at maybe one of them touching 200 million. I really don't think. Correa has the best shot touching 200 million. I don't think Seager touches 200 million. Trevor Story probably gets like maybe a team goes like 215, but I don't think he goes above two, uh, 200 million. I just I think, see him taking a one year deal. Uh, so, I, I, someone's going to give him a nice security. I, I can see it. Yeah. He, yeah, he has Seager or one of those guys that might turn out to be like the Patrick Corbin situation where everybody was bidding for him, but the team that's willing to give him the extra year is the one who gets him. <laughs> Trevor Story has a James Harden fat suit on right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, I don't know. I just, what are the Rockies doing not trading him? Like, the Rockies were so exciting, and it seemed like they were the lovable underdogs, and they just completely screwed the pooch on several occasions. But yeah, we'll see. Amanda, you can continue with your segment. All right, I'll hand so where's it back my to next you one? Now. Okay. Fill in the blank. Strasburg's next appearance will be blank. So you could do this anywhere you want. Will be you could describe it. You could say when. What do you think? Strasburg's next appearance will be blank. Uh, it'll, it'll be in it'll be in twenty twenty two. I'm gonna say July twenty twenty two. July. Okay. I'll um, celebrate if he goes five innings. <laughs> Was that the record this year? Was that? Was that how much he pitched? I don't even. I can't even remember. I can't. I seriously don't think he got through five innings this season. But um, yeah, I'll say July twenty twenty two. I just don't see. Even if he's not the same, even if he can't even get, if he can't scratch the surface of what he once was, I don't see him going out without at least trying. And it, it might be painful to watch, considering who he is and who he was and what he's done but i I see him giving it all he's got in in an attempt to uh return 
And he's going to be one of those guys who, when you talk in 20 or 30 years about who's one guy whose career you wish could have, you could have seen without injuries. He'll be on my list. I just mentioned that last episode with uh, Tim Linscombe. Oh, oh yeah. He's another one. Yeah. He's another one. Okay. Next one. Corbin's ERA next year will be blank. Uh, my area code. <laughs> five, seven, one. Four, seven, three. <laughs> Four, seven, three. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny, we actually were, this was on my list of things for this segment, but we were talking a little bit earlier about whether he's turning a corner and, and what his ERA is, 598 this year, you expect it to be better or worse. Sounds like you both are expecting a little bit better, but not a lot better. Yeah, I mean, 571 would be better. Yeah, so not a lot better. I will buy. All right, 571, and what did you say, 473? 473. Four seven three. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four five four. It's gonna be my. I'm hoping he'll turn it around. Maybe he'll surprise us all and get under four. That would be amazing. He'll get DC's area code. Do two o two. That's what I'm talking about. Let's do that. <laughs> I wish. Let's he hope got... it's not my area code, which is seven o three. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he got under four years. That's what I wish he got. Yeah, well, that ship has sailed, unfortunately. Okay, one more. The Nats' final win-loss record for the 2021 season will be what? They'll lose 97 games. So that's 65 wins. Yeah. 97? Um, Where are we now? Well, that's bold. Hold on. So if they win... (laughs) That's bold. (laughs) If they win four more games, they avoid 100 losses. So that's me saying like eight more wins the rest of the season. I don't know if they could do that. Yeah, I think they get... I think they they lose 100 games. Wait, wait, you you mean for for this year or next year? This year. Oh, I thought you said next year. No, no, for 2021. Um, Yeah, I'll... It's not looking good, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to try to be optimistic. You know, I'll, I'm the Homer I'm gonna, of Fletch. But I'm going to say it. 63 and 99. You think they just squeak in under the 100 loss mark? Yeah. Right. It ain't looking good. I'm going a big fat round 100 losses. That's my, oh, that's man. my prediction. It's It hurts a little it bit. Does. Not as much as I thought it would. It barely even hurts anymore. You just—is this what it's like to be an Orioles fan these days? You're just numb. Just numb. Yeah. Well, the but Orioles have the those... Ravens, so that kind of helps. That's true. We have the Washington football team. So I can't even say it without laughing. I'm gonna go on a, a tangent and just say uh, the last two Washington football games I've been to, uh, I went yesterday, and Ryan Fitzpatrick, broken hip. Uh, the last game previous to that was the Alex Smith leg injury. So I wow, just, we should, I, you should not be allowed to go. I'm a curse. So if you guys ever don't like your quarterback, uh, buy me a ticket because then, uh, I'll do, I no, guess I'll, I'll take do care your of favor. that for you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm a facilitator. I it's get okay. things done. It's Heineke time here in, in, in Washington, DC or sigh yeah just when you think things couldn't get any worse i know you know the the quarterback situation with this team is just i don't understand why we're cursed since joe theisman were cursed yeah apparently 
All right. Well, that does it for this episode. You guys, uh, I mean, obviously we're going to do our one big thing. Who would we be if we didn't do our one big thing? But do you guys have anything else before we get out of here? Uh, one month from the day you're listening to this. Oh my God. Beginning of hockey season. <laughs> beginning of hockey season. And you can talk about football. I can talk about hockey. All right. Got my tickets. Going to see opening that against the Rangers, which is going to be awesome because there's a lot of bad blood between the Caps and Rangers right now. Cannot wait. Maybe what's his face will be a healthy scratch again. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe so. Amanda, your dedication to drive really far on weeknights to watch below average sports teams is really top notch. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that someone recognizes my dedication to that because I do drive really far. It's like an hour and 30 or 40 minutes each way for me to go watch my crappy teams. So I really appreciate (laughs) the recognition for that. Um, My one big thing, enjoy other series there's a lot of really mm-hmm. good baseball mm-hmm. going on right now uh monty's been doing a great job of publishing those articles previewing them there's a lot of big series and a lot of really interesting storylines the division races aren't really that great right now except for the nls but the wild card races are tight and there's a lot of teams in there and they all play each other again so there's fun playoff baseball going on and just enjoy it take some time watch it yeah, mine there is are... good baseball happening, just not here. <laughs> yes, this is true. Um, <laughs> mine was along the same vein as Ryan's. Uh, obviously, I'm very excited football is back, but in between the the days where football is not on, looking for something to watch. Oh, yeah, baseball is still on. So definitely go watch baseball. Use football to get yourself back into baseball. If maybe you checked out of the season post-deadline, that's understandable. It certainly hasn't been... Uh, a ton of exciting stuff going on post deadline. Not that there was exciting stuff going on before, before the deadline, <laughs> pre deadline. But uh, you know, if, if you're looking for something to watch in between football days, I understand. Go check out some of the other series because there, there's a ton every single day. <coughs> Excuse me, I think I swallowed a bug. Um, <laughs> I, I, there's a ton of series every single day that have major playoff implications, and if you want a little uh, catch me up. Go check out halfstreethighheat.com. Like Ryan said, Monty's been killing it. CK, man, they post. And Colt, uh, a bu- our a newest bunch- writer. And Colt, uh, they post a bunch of uh, series previews or recaps. I kind of just give you a lay of the land on what's going on, because obviously I assume most of us are Nats fans. So maybe we haven't been up to date with what's going on and what's on the line with some of these other series or haven't even maybe checked the standings recently because we don't want to see how badly the Nats are doing. I understand. Denial is a powerful thing. So if you don't know what's going on, go check out halfstreethighheat.com. A lot of great stuff coming out every single day. We're still on our hot street, so definitely go check us out. Follow the show at Half Street High Heat. That's Street with a ST. Amanda is back. You can follow her again uh, at a white seven eight seven seven. Ryan at We Are All Shack. Myself at Nationals Ace. We appreciate it. Until next time, let's go Nats. Let's go Nats. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. Come
By the early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.